Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Season 3, Episode 7 of the Umbrella Academy, Al Peterson, may be over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, and I am here to reveal a big secret to my co-host, Marissa Garza. Marissa, mm-hmm. I'm sorry to tell you. I lied. Stan is not, in fact, our child. I borrowed him from a friend from my punk rock band. Oh, my and, goodness. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry to share that with you. Oh, well, you know, I'm going to just need a minute. Thank you for the minute. But I think we're going to get through it. I think we're going to get through it. We still got the pod. We're going to be great. It's going to be fine. Yeah, another episode down. We're really starting to get to the home stretch here. I mean, where we left off this episode at the end. uh, World's really, really getting destroyed at this point. Yeah, yeah. We had like a brief little pause of like, oh, it's going to be fine. But no, it's not going to be fine. It's in fact not going to be fine. Yeah, it's the opposite (laughs) of fine. Whatever that, yeah, the opposite of fine. The uh, episode title, of course, German for goodbye. And we are saying goodbye to just probably millions of people around the world (laughs) at the end of this episode. Uh, And a few more of our, uh, a few more of our Sparrow friends. Yeah, we're really reaching to the end of the list when it comes to the sparrows. You know, we started off real strong with seven of them. And uh, sad to say that by the end of the episode, we're down to two. So let's get into it. Let's talk everything through, break it all down. Of course, thank you as always for following us on our feeds, postshowrecaps.com slash umbrella dash academy dash feed or postshowrecaps.com slash super postshowrecaps.com slash binge. We're reaching the end of our recap series here, but we will continue through the end of the month and then have our feedback show. So make sure you're starting to think about some of that feedback, questions for the whole series, thoughts, etc. And you can leave those either in the patron discord, patron of post show recaps, or you can send uh, questions and thoughts directly to us on our Twitters or at super at postshowrecaps.com. As always, this episode will be spoiler-filled all the way through the end of the season. So if you have not caught up on the end of season three, make sure to just finish that and then come back here. You've only got a couple more episodes left. Yeah, Yeah, we'll we'll be here. We'll be here for you when you finish. So let's jump into a couple things. First off, 
This episode, like many of the others, starts with a little bit of a flashback. It doesn't really mm. tell us exactly how far back we flash because we've got that whole time travel thing to deal with, but presumably this is shortly after the end of season two for Lila, at least. Uh, she is in the at the commission in uh, 1953, and she is watching and re-watching the scene where her mom killed her in the barn before five was able to rewind time, which does bring up an interesting question of the infinite swishboard. I guess it doesn't just show one timeline. It shows all versions of possible things that could have happened. Is that your understanding? That is my understanding. And it is mainly framed from my watching of uh, Loki, the Disney plus series that is coming out of season two so coming while well, they're filming it now but anyway they also have this room where they like watch all the timelines and they can like watch the timelines so similar vibes here um but i thought it was an interesting way for lila to like process what just happened to her theoretically just as in a really traumatic way like, of processing yeah it. i know but like sometimes you know you go through something and it's like did i see it did i like what what happened and i you know she had the resources to be able to go back and kind of find out what exactly did happen and what happened happened and that's that's something for her to kind of think about especially i don't know if she knows if she's pregnant while she's watching this it probably has to do with some maternal something going on um but i thought it was an interesting place for her to to end back up well, especially since she's going to say at the end of the episode that she was drawn back to the infinite switchboard room actually to watch a clip of Diego. So my guess is it probably is after she's realized she's pregnant. Um, although the time timeline on that, a little confusing, but yeah. we don't know. We don't know exactly. Like for all we know, Lila might have left the group in the barn for some number of days, weeks, or months, and then come back to the commission at a later point. This doesn't necessarily directly after that previously happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, so I'm then uh, Herb and Dot, who we only get a tiny little bit of in this season, but they show up and tell Lila like, hey, uh, they're, they're very clearly intimidated by her, but they're like, you know, you've been voted out of the commission by everyone else because, you know, of your relation to the handlers so we're gonna have to have you leave and but lila's clearly left like a trail of destruction of all the <laughs> commission <laughs> members that she's murdered and so she kind of threatens them they're like but we'll drop you off in any time period and location you want and so that's what takes her to west berlin in 1989 now do you think there is uh, beyond the significance, obviously, of uh, the the wall <laughs> separating East and West Berlin, do you think that there is anything else um, significant about her going back to 1989? Obviously, lots happening here with, um, you know, the whole <laughs> whole Kugelblitz and everything. Well, I think uh, wasn't that the they were born in October first, nineteen eighty nine. Yes. So um, I think that's an important factor historically. Nineteen eighty nine seemed like a good time to join the people, you know, bashing down the wall. Um, but I think it's just like the year of her birth um, situation. Oh, that there's also that. There. And so, uh, just as a side note, if you've also watched. Russian Doll Season 2, which, Mary, it's okay that you have it. But for anyone listening <laughs> out there who has, isn't it interesting also that this time travel show also went to West Berlin? Interesting, interesting. Anyway, continue. So uh, something that I think is interesting also is that the fall of the Berlin Wall happened 
in November of 1989. Yeah. So I I was trying to think for a second, like whether or not the I guess in that timeline. This is so confusing. <laughs> in this timeline. In 1989, I guess we don't know, is is the, the timeline Lila's in, is that the same as the timeline that Harlan grew up in where he had powers? Or is this a different 1989? Ooh, you well, know? that, that's, that I'm going to need a whiteboard for. That I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, um, man. But, like, my thinking was, like, obviously the handler went back to 1989 to put this here after she had, like, Lila. It wasn't a question of whether Lila was born yet or not in this scenario because right in this scenario this is post when lila was born but i i guess baby lila is probably existing somewhere yeah baby lila is existing lila. but not with the handler <laughs> no with her family before five comes and kills them yeah because that i don't think the handler adopts her until she's like four or five years old i think so theoretically if she was in the same place like she could have run into herself if she was in the same geographical area but that did not happen because she was in West Berlin. I think that might be why things are far away from wherever Lila was picked up from. Yeah, that could make sense. You know? So what did you think about the whole uh, band that she joins and all that? <laughs> I thought it was very fitting for Lila and also a great place for her to, like, get rid of some of that rage and energy of, you know, at this point I thought it was just like, oh, my mom killed me and then I was brought back to life and now I don't have a mom. And then also, like, dealing with losing the Umbrella Academy and everything. I thought it was a very fitting place for her to for her to land. <sighs> It is a little frustrating, though, with the note from the handler that's left with the suitcase. So we should mention that, or briefcase. Lila goes to the wall because she somehow figured out or knew that the handler had hidden a briefcase there inside the wall. So she takes it out and has a note from the handler being like, Oh, my darling daughter, you're so great. Thank you for finding this. If you're being chased by something, keep running. Don't trust anyone except for me. I love you. All that. And I think it's frustrating because that does line up a lot with like the handler that we saw in season two interacting with Lila. But then at the end of season two, it was so she was just so like, eh, never mind, I'm just going to kill you. Like, you're done with. And I'm like, really? I think it's also like part of the whole got to keep Lila close to me tactic. Like, I think it was manipulative in a way to say, like, depending on wherever, you know, this Lila knew who the handler was, but if a different Lila had landed there and gotten the, you know, right, gotten right. the briefcase, it might have been seen a little bit differently. Yeah. Oh, well. So she joins the band, the, oh, I'm going to get this so wrong in pronunciation, probably. Good luck. P Puppin Totem, something like that. I don't know. But um, the, the Kill Dolls is the rough translation there. So there you go. And she's kind of, she's drumming. She's kind of hallucinating Diego in the crowd, clearly yeah. still has that attachment there. And then this is where we get the scene of her talking to Stan and asking him to come torment a friend in America with her. And he's like, yeah, sure, I guess, whatever. I mean, you, can we call this kidnapping? Because he he went willingly, but he's also a minor. So I don't know. I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't, don't think that. I don't think that you could say like, oh, but the minor said they wanted to get into my creepy van yeah. with me no. and then come like, my, no, that's not how that works. 
This is like, like rewatching it, I was like, oh, Lila, yeah, that's, you did that. That was the thing you did. Definitely still partially kidnapping, at the very least, partial kidnapping. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and then um, that's when we kind of pop back into present day for the rest of the episode. But uh, we'll come back to Lila and Diego at the end. Uh, let's let's start with probably my favorite <laughs> plot line of this episode although there's still so there's so many plot holes here and a lot of things that people especially on reddit were like why is this happening but i kind of loved it so i'm gonna we're gonna talk about anyway reggie and klaus having father-son time bonding and the part that's so great if you remember from the end of last episode it ends with uh klaus sort of telling all his like fears and desires and hopes to reggie and being like i just want a purpose in life etc and then reggie uh electro cutes him or somehow shocks him to death i guess uh and then they uh they start this episode with reggie driving along the road (laughs) singing along to some music what'd you think of that he's i I will spoiler and say this is my favorite musical moment there's several in this episode but this is my favorite when he's singing ride with me uh it's so good just having reggie sing that uh by nelly so good so he's riding along and he starts to hear klaus in the trunk Mm-hmm. who has been dead for 22 minutes and has finally come back to the world. You know, as fathers and sons bond traditionally. Yes, this is like totally well, traditional terrible. bonding. That's yeah. how I bond yeah. with my father. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's how that works. Um, yeah, no, I I liked this. I mean, obviously on the rewatch, you can, I definitely see it with more of a, I see what you're doing here, Reggie. But uh, on, on first watch, I was, I was eating it up. I was like, oh, look, look at how fun this is. Look at how trusting Klaus is of Reggie. And Reggie can change. It could all happen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he can <laughs> definitely change. And there's definitely no ulterior motive. To no, never. I was like, oh, wow. Maybe he's going to join the Umbrella Academy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is where Klaus starts talking with Reggie. And he's like, you're so mean. You're horrible. You just killed me. And Reggie's like, no, like, let's bond. Like, what did you enjoy doing with me in your time? And he's like, nothing. You're horrible. Like, we didn't have a good relationship. And Reggie's like, what? We didn't go on any family road trips? No. So is that implying that this Reggie did do that kind of thing? I think so. That's what I took away from it. It's like, what do you mean? I didn't do these things I did before I got drugged by my kids. (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, so uh, that's when Klaus breaks it down. And he's like, yeah, things kind of fell apart with the Umbrella Academy. First, five got lost in time. Ben died during the Jennifer incident. Second time we've heard Uh about Jennifer recently. Um, Then you drugged your daughter for years. Uh, you turned Luther into a half monkey moon boy, and then you locked me in a box full of ghosts. And then you killed yourself so that we couldn't get any answers. And noticeably, nothing directly done to Allison there, but yeah, Diego, except yeah. just like, being mean to Diego. And yeah, I don't know. That That's true. It. Yeah. That's- so <laughs> I, I, I like I like that breakdown of season one, though. <laughs> It was kind of like Klaus's little podcast. They were in a car. He was just filling them in. Just filling them in. Yeah. So Reggie wants to help Klaus figure out the extent of his powers. And Mm -hmm. what did you think about the little game that Reggie creates here? Okay. So here's the thing. I have so many questions. One, um, how did you know when the cars were going to come down the street? 
Okay. This is my my whole thing. So basically, he's testing Reggie's powers or like training Reggie by playing catch and then having him like get run over by a car or a bus or something to make him dead again and then like time his thing. I did enjoy the whole notebook tracking of it. I like the stopwatch. I thought that was really fun. But like every time it kept happening, I was like, but how but how did he know that that car was going to be there at that exact moment in that exact time? Is Reggie just making the cars? So these are the two biggest things that Reddit has an issue with. Thing number one, why are the cars coming out of nowhere and like Klaus is not noticing them? And number two, why are none of the cars stopping? They're just hitting Klaus and moving. Yeah. On. Well, and also like, why is Klaus not moving? Out? Like you can hear a car. Like you can most times. I mean, I spent some time in central Illinois in the middle of a road. You hear when a car is coming. <laughs> like, also, like you- I believe the show takes place in New York and somehow in. 22 minutes let's go to they, pennsylvania i'm just gonna they assume they went back to pennsylvania but it only took 22 minutes for him to drive that far like i don't know or the farmlands of new jersey why are the farmlands of wherever they are not more destroyed by the kugel blitz like the, the city is like on fire also very good questions very good questions yeah i but i at the same time is uh very distracting with how cute it was that they were doing this to cats in the cradle (laughs) yes i did like that so another great song moment in the background here was that part and um klaus is first very upset there's a lot of gruesome moments of him coming back and then like his bones straightening out um and uh, then he eventually kind of realizes that he's getting a hang of whatever it is i guess i think my my guess is it's sort of like lucid dreaming where it takes him a while to sort of in the void realize like oh i'm dying how do i get back oh i have to whatever do something to get back so i I was also thinking of looking at it like maybe it is like a game of catch but with his like soul or consciousness like into like his his consciousness goes into the void and then it's got to, like, he's got to catch his conscious, like he's playing catch with his, himself basically. Okay. Interesting. Type of thing. Interesting I was trying thought. to, I was just trying to see if there, I could draw any connection between what Reggie chose as the training. I mean, obviously it's a bonding thing as well, but as the training activity. Yeah. Cause he said that you had to like work on your reflexes basically. Right. So it's somehow your soul-based reflexes. I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't tried it, so I don't necessarily know how it works. I would recommend not trying it. (laughs) We do not condone. Oh, shoot. They give it a name in a future episode. Like car ball. Oh, yeah. yeah. Something like that. I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, so Klaus eventually presumably gets it down to only a few seconds because there's a point where Reggie says two minutes, and then they show it like three more times, but they never announce the amount of time so i'm guessing it's probably under a minute yeah i he mean way to go it works it works he can do it yeah and then, like this next part though i was like okay how many powers does Klaus have you know like i got the whole like i can reanimate myself thing but then reggie takes him to that graveyard and like he's being chased by ghosts so he can still see so he can see ghosts he can move ghosts he can be a ghost he can also like i'm trying to come up with the list of klaus powers can you help me out here i feel like he has full control over the sort of dead like spectral realm like the i i think sort of season one he can conjure ghosts 
And okay. he is also sort of tormented by them because he doesn't have great control over that ability. And that's what we see here. And so I think the scene here in the graveyard is him learning to like then also expel the ghosts, like not like rid himself of the ghosts, push them away from himself, because I think they're sort of attracted to his presence or something and that's how they show up season two was all about how he can if he has a communication with like a, a deceased person he can also sort of make them somewhat corporeal and interacting with objects and people etc and uh, and and also himself um and we also even saw the ghosts at, at the, in the barn battle in season two like catch him as he's falling so it's clearly the, right. the spectral ghost can also sort of interact with him and potentially other people at the very beginning of season two in the like battle with the nuclear war that didn't end up ever happening. He's sort of controlling those ghosts to fight. So clearly he can sort of make them interact in that way. And then this season, it's all about how he also has power over his own death and right. can come back. Um, so it all checks out to me. It definitely, this is another point where the internet started being like, okay, Klaus is just really overpowered. But I think considering the fact that he spent the first two seasons being like the least powerful and almost never getting to use his powers, I'm okay with this. I I appreciate the evolution and growth in, in Klaus's skills as he's like letting go of other things. I just am like, you put all of this into one character, but you have two super strength people. Like this is this is where where it gets a little bit hard for me is like you can come up with all of this stuff. Look at all this stuff you made. Look at all the stuff you just came up with. This is so much stuff. Any one of those powers on their own could stand very strong. And so not saying that I'm saying take them away from class and give them someone else, but like, okay, do the same thing with super strength. Think about super strength and divide it up into 80 different pieces of pie. I don't know. Can like, I don't know how to do that, but maybe there's a way to do that. And that's that's the only distracting part when it comes to talking about Klaus's powers for me is like, I don't think he's overpowered. I think it's very true to his character, but I think it's just unbalanced when you look at the exploration of the other powers. I agree. And I would say that's how I felt about uh, Vanya slash Victor for the first three seasons or all the way through so far as I think that they have a power and I, I keep comparing it to like um, Wanda where it's mm -hmm. like, what is the extent of your power? It seems like you can kind of do whatever. Like season one where it was just sort of manipulating sound waves. I kind of got that. Like, okay, that's cool. But that's powerful. But how does that also like manipulate the weather, which we've also seen? Yeah. How does like, like, how does that? the moon. <laughs> it just seems like you can like use sound waves to do whatever you want is kind of the impression that I get from that. So I don't love that because that just seems so much more powerful than a lot of the other ones. Whereas I feel like uh, it would be maybe cool in the future to see an exploration of how Luther and Diego maybe could yeah. have more power. I mean, Something. Five's already got a pretty awesome power, so that's yeah. cool. Well, um, and it also evolved, right? Like it started with blipping and then it went to time jumping and then it was blipping within time jumping. You know what I mean? Like it had yeah. different stages. There was an evolution there. And Allison got one artificially, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but she got she got a little bit of a change. So yes. there's possible I, I think here. the idea is that none of none of them throughout like so far have learned the full extent of their powers or learned the full extent of how to control their powers and so hopefully we'll get more of that um i do feel like it's interesting when talking about all these that like five has not used 
the new power that he learned at the end of season two, which was the like really quick short time travel, like just going back a few seconds. Seconds. Yeah. Surprising that that didn't really come into play this season, especially in the end game. In the, yes. at the at the last episode. Yeah. Yes. Particularly in the end game, um, because you would think, I, I, and maybe it was kind of a thing where the writers realized mm-hmm. like this is a little bit also overpowered but i i guess well i guess he wasn't there when i because i was thinking the main time you would use this would be like where where uh, reggie kills luther but i feel like that maybe maybe he didn't yeah. see that maybe he was already in the tunnel because otherwise I, was, I think he would have used it there i was also just thinking that like me i think he might have used it in the end game i can't remember we'll find out when i watch that episode again um but there, I think there was like a rewindy time, but I don't remember how that. Maybe, maybe, maybe when they're battling the um, protectors. No, what are they called? Guardians. guardians the guardians. Yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll talk about it. But oh well. At this point, Klaus has new powers. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, it was we fun. I lo- it, like uh, looking back at like the series as a whole. I think that se- that series of scenes stands out for sure. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. We need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Okay, so I lumped the rest of the episode into one sort of main plot, even though there's kind of several different things that are going on here. But we've got the the two families, the Sparrows and the Umbrella Academy, joining together to take on the Kugelblitz. And so within that, we have a lot of fallout from the end of the last episode with the Allison and Victor and Harlan situation where Allison murdered Harlan and gave him to the Sparrows and uh, also sort of Luther's uh, connection to Sloan. And uh, I was happy. Well, I don't know if happy is the right word, but I was at least um, glad that they attempted to address a little bit more of the Luther and Allison stuff here. Luther is going to ask Allison if she told Victor what she did to Harlan. And they're going to argue in that about like, Allison basically saying, you know, like, oh, well, Harlan deserved it. Yeah. Victor was lying to us, etc. And Luther's like, yeah, do you not feel bad at all? Like, should we, do we need to get you some someone to talk to, like a, a therapist or someone? Because clearly things are not right. And she's like, no, I'm fine. And he's like, okay, the thing you did to me yeah. back at the hotel was not all right. So it definitely seems like the situation on the show at least is that luther is viewing this more as a allison having some struggles and needing some help rather than Mm -hmm. exactly like taking out his anger at the situation but i think he's clearly trying to convey to her like this was wrong and this was messed up and not something that the normal you would do yeah i was um encouraged to hear like some anger behind his question when he asked it, like, he was like, like what you did to me, like that, that type mm-hmm. of um, inflection in his voice when he said that. And then 
but he was cut short. So we never really got to explore past the initial question. And we didn't, I didn't see like any remorse on Allison's face that kind of showed that she was like, Oh, I hurt my brother or I am concerned for myself. Yes. That's very out of character. You know, like sometimes I could do something and my friend's like, that's not you. And I'm like, Oh, you're right. That's not me. You know, like I'm, I'm in a bad place. There's something like that, but I didn't see any of those interactions happen. So Yes, I do think still... that's how Luther's seeing it, but we're still not exploring it fully. Yeah, we're clearly still lacking any sort of recognition on Allison's part that what yes. she did was wrong, even if at least at least Luther is is speaking up about it. But yeah, um, so they're all hanging out at the Sparrow's house, and I guess at some point they contact. Uh, five and Diego and Lila who also show up and they have a meeting. Um, Luther's trying to unite the families. He's being his sort of cute dorky self. He's like asking Sloan, am I sweating? How are things? And they've clearly like organized some food and it's just like candy and chips and stuff like that. No one's, no one's really partaking in that except for noticeably Lila. So I think this might've been another like a little hint that Lila might be, um, I don't know, eating either from, from stress or anxiety or, pregnancy related uh but yeah so then victor shows up and that's when allison tells everyone that she killed harlan and also that harlan was responsible for the death of their mothers and by extension claire and the end of the world so yeah welcome to the meeting victor <laughs> like here hey, victor, are how's it going? all of the things uh this was this uh i this is hard. This is hard to watch still, even though I knew it was coming, even though I, you know, we could see it in her character up to this point. I just, I I still don't a hundred percent. Like, did, did Victor lie lie? Did he lie by omission? Like, I obviously he didn't tell his family that, which is a hundred percent. Okay. But we are not a hundred percent. Okay. But okay. I get where you're coming from. But also this is a family that doesn't communicate. So like, I don't feel like I don't I don't know. It just But it wasn't I, I do side with Allison at this part. Allison lays out like for the last two seasons, here are all the things that Victor's done wrong. Ending the world, killing Pogo, sure. blowing up our house, yeah. almost killing me. Things that honestly it's been pretty shocking that she's been able to forgive Victor for. And so I think she's kind of showing maybe I haven't necessarily forgiven and forgotten all of those things. And I'm frustrated that we're all treating Victor like he can do no wrong when he's partially responsible for my child no longer existing. She calls out again that everyone keeps telling her that she needs to kind of suck up her pain mm -hmm. and no one's trying to help her fix it when we spent the last two seasons trying to fix all the damage that Victor did. So I like, I agree with that. I still don't think that her actions that are, you know, other things she's done are great. And obviously it's not a fun character to watch, but she does have a lot of points here. Like she's, she's making a lot of points. And I think to some extent, like Victor gets that, but I also think that it's right that like killing Harlan was just done to yes, hurt Victor and yes. had no other purpose. And you, especially after the power transfer, like what is, what is. Yeah. And this is not like killing someone who might be a threat or is destructive in the here and now or the future. It's like 
This was just revenge. And this was murder. Yeah. That Allison did here. So. Yeah. You know, we can all laugh when five murders the boardroom of people. Because we don't know them. And it was kind of funny. And we can just sort of assume that they're bad. But Although we do not condone murder. Don't murder on this podcast. Yeah. But this was a little different. And it was much darker. And it's not great. It's not great. But I also think that if we have all gathered around on this show and collectively decided that for whatever reason, because they were in a power trance or something, that we're okay with the fact that Victor did kill Pogo in season one and, like, you know, the whole world, then I think we can understand why Allison is at the very least not necessarily worse than anything they've done. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough situation because I also, when I look back at Victor's story, I also see someone who wasn't 100% in control. And I guess that's also what Allison's saying here too, is that her pain is out of her control. Yes. And so she cannot control her pain. And this was the uh, extent of her, like this was the result of her actions because, or her actions were a result of that, that pain that she couldn't control. And that's how it's similar to Victor. Um, I, I thought it like the reactions of everyone was also interesting um, because like Ben and Ben was loving the drama. Ben thinks we just, you know, we fight the same. Our families fight the same. They don't necessarily, Diego says, you know, like we, no, we don't fight. We don't fight like this. This is, this is a different level of, of fighting. Uh, Luther tries to stop it every once in a while. Um yeah, any other noticeable reactions to this from from your side? It was mostly centered around Ben and it was shown for a little bit of humor there. I think Ben just liked being not the jerkiest person around for a little while <laughs> potentially, but I think it was also there to highlight Diego saying like no, this is out of character. Like yeah. this is not right. This is not good. Um and especially since Diego was the one who for the last couple episodes was like Allison's fine. Don't worry about it. It'll be it'll be fine. And now he's realizing maybe yeah, not. That's so fine. That's so fine. Maybe not great of me to teach her to just sort of access her anger like that. Yeah. But anyway, so the big Victor is going to go to Ben's room where he sees a bunch of drawings of Jennifer, mm-hmm. labeled drawings of Jennifer. I read a bunch more Jennifer theories online. Do you have any? What you got? Theories? No. Um, mostly kind of what we've said that Jennifer was somebody that clearly Ben had an attachment to probably before some sort of mission. And then she probably died in a mission most likely due to something he did. Seems like in this timeline, she, uh, that, that action, um, caused him to get demoted from number one to number two. And in the previous timeline, it probably resulted in something, uh, so, um, stressful or stressful is not the right word but something so horrible for ben that uh, it's implied in season one that he might have taken his life it's it's a little bit Mm. confusing because uh because they say like the darkness within him consumed him um but then it's also implied in season two and the whole time that he's sort of coming back and hanging out with klaus that maybe he like did not take his life because he seems to be like i don't know he, 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 that's not that's never referenced throughout season two so it's it's a little bit it's a little bit hard to to know for sure but clearly jennifer somebody that he had 
uh, an attachment to. I hope for the love of all things holy, we get some Jennifer stuff in season four if there is a sub- season four, because otherwise I have no idea why we're talking about this. <laughs> like- no, although... And we can talk more about this with our guests next week because I know they have some questions about it. I did uh, do some more research on the Christopher situation. Oh, yes. I think I, I think I have some more answers on that one. So, Oh, well, that's good. Or at least some theories. So uh, while Victor is, is hanging out in Ben's room, everybody else goes down to the Kugel in the basement. And the plan is to use Sloan, Lila, Christopher, and Victor to trap it. Now, I also read a lot about this. Did you follow exactly how these powers are doing whatever okay. they're doing? Okay, okay. So Sloane can do gravity manipulation. So she is like creating like a gravity barrier, I think, to contain the Kugel. Lila is going to mimic Victor. And basically, from what I could tell in some sort of conversation that Victor has with Faye, is like, like, to feel the vibration of the black hole inside. Cause at one point Victor says like, don't hurt the bees or don't shake the bees, <laughs> something like that. So I wonder if he, he was thinking of bees, like Harlan was thinking about bees. Well, that was when or if was it was saying, like, like, have you ever tried to corral a hive of bees? And then oh, somebody it's either like Diego yeah. or Luther is like, no, why would anyone do that? <laughs> I think it's <laughs> must be Diego. Um, and then that's when they're talking about like, make sure that you don't, like disrupt disrupt the, the black holes yes. that are collapsing on themselves and he's like don't shake the bees got it <laughs> okay so again using the power of sound victor is going to how i just don't whatever still don't like the whole equal sound, sound equal equal or more sound i have no idea but then lila was gonna mimic that and then christopher is going to be the container for the kugel because apparently christopher can be a container for things not just that people yeah so like that's the part i don't get so they're just gonna like have this series of tiny black holes collapsing on themselves live inside christopher and they thought that would just work apparently yeah i don't know how they didn't think it was going to put him in any harm i don't know how they didn't think like radiation would be at play (laughs) i have no idea i mean and these just like swallow him up from the inside i don't know like, uh, there are some smart people in this group, apparently, that totally missed all of this. Yeah, I don't know. So that's that's apparently what happened. Um, but in order to do this, we have another quick scene where Ben goes up to his room, finds Victor, and then kind of, like, negs him about, like, oh, did you think someone was going to chase after you and try to convince you to come back down? Like, no. Wow. So embarrassing for you. <laughs> But then he also, like, kind of does convince Victor to come down because he's like, for all, as all I can tell, like, you're just being really selfish, like, feeling like your petty grudge against Allison is, like, worth watching the world burn. So. Yeah, because previously, what... like, uh, Victor had flashbacks to conversations that he had with Allison about, like, how much they love each other and all of this. So I think it played well into this conversation that Ben had with him at this moment where it's like, hey, you know, there are bigger problems than this. Why don't you try to work it out? Yeah, yeah. Lila is also going to have a conversation with Allison during Mm. this time where um, Allison's talking about how killing Harlan didn't make her feel anything and it seems like she was just trying to feel something 
sad, happy, anything. And she laughs about the fact that nothing really matters because they keep changing timelines and people just like don't even really exist. And Lila is explaining that things are still definitely real. There's just so much happening and moving around you so fast that you're getting dizzy with the changes. And Lila says you have to pick a focus point, much like a figure skater, and concentrate on it. And Allison says that focus point was Claire. It doesn't Uh exist anymore. And so Lila's like, "Eh, pick another one. And so I think, you know, we've talked about it, but I think a lot of Allison's issues here also with the like Victor lying about their moms is more about Allison's clear desperation to have Victor maybe even be that focus point. Like she was Mm. like, okay, Ray doesn't exist. Uh, Claire doesn't exist, but I can at least lock on to Victor. Like we've had this relationship growing. We've got this sibling thing going and then finding out that Victor, and throughout the last couple episodes became more and more apparent was uh, pushing Allison away or not confiding in them. Even things like when Allison was trying to make sure that Harlan didn't hurt Victor when they were trying to transfer the powers and Victor's like, you know, you don't have to be here. Like you can leave. And I think that really hurt Allison as well. Um, I think Allison was so upset that Victor was putting their life on the line when I think Allison viewed them as like, no, you're my focal point. Like, I need you to still be here. And then to find out that Victor both sort of put more energy into the Harlan situation than with Allison and also hid something from Allison. I think all of that sort of, it's like, imagine if you have someone that you feel like is your last sort of thread and then find out that they have in your mind either betrayed you or not trusted you or not not felt that same closeness. And so I'm sure that that's a huge portion of the situation. Yeah, there's um, there, I, I can see that. I can see that. It reminds me of um, a line from Severance where it's like, no, you're my best friend, but I'm your very good friend. You know, like they're yeah. like having that unequal type of situation because you do see it when Harlan shows up. Victor completely changes when it comes to his interactions with Allison. And I, and I don't think it's in a way that is like malicious on his part in any way. He's, he's trying to like fix a wrong. He's trying to like protect Harlan, protect himself, protect the family. Like he he's acting in in that um, instance, but not necessarily realizing what it's doing to Allison at that time. And um, I also been also wonder if like Allison wants to be the focal point for someone as well. And like the fact that maybe she thought that Victor was that like in your, in while you were explaining, maybe. Yeah. And when Harlan shows up, the focus definitely goes off of Allison and goes to Harlan for Victor. So I could see that playing into I think that's well. definitely, definitely also part of it. Um, it. It just really seems like Allison is feeling lost and feeling not appreciated. Um, and I, I do think that some of that blame does lie on, on Victor, but at the same time, <laughs> Harlan is the representation of the people that Victor lost. And I think that if Ray was in this timeline and Harlan wasn't, I don't know that Allison would be as receptive to Victor's mm. pain. Like, you know, it's it's hard to to know whether or not they would have that relationship go in the opposite direction. So Yeah, because a lot of the interactions between Allison and Victor prior to this of just about like getting back to Ray, getting back to Sissy, like they had that as their focal point too. Mm-hmm. Like and then when Harlan shows up, the shared po- focal point is also split. Yes. 
So they get back together. The group tries to trap the Kugelblitz. Um, I don't know if any of this really makes sense in any kind of logic <laughs> way, but we talked it through. So that's happening. Then Grace shows up and tries to torch oh, yeah. the group. Mm-hmm. Um, five, like- <laughs> five ends up uh, teleporting Grace out of there and twists her neck to kill her, which later brings up a funny line when Victor says like, Hey, it was really nice of you to kill mom so that David yeah. wouldn't have to. And then, and then Victor's like, yeah, that sounded weirder after I said it. <laughs> um, so also at this time, Grace is uh, quoting Isaiah 63.4. I don't know if yeah. you looked this up. I did not look this up. But while, w- before we talk about that, like she also has um, dressed herself as a nun. Like she's, yeah. she's all in. She's all in on this. I don't know. And also, like, where did she learn about all this stuff? But anyway, no, I did not look up Isaiah 63.4. What do we got? It, so depending on the translation, um, it's loosely translated to, for the day of vengeance is in my heart and the year of my redeemed is come. That's not exactly yeah. what Grace says, but it's very close. It's something about my day of vengeance and my uh, the year of my or that my day of something the year my vengeance has come something like that um it's it's kind of a kind of a creepy moment with the like the, the nun outfit and the <laughs> the blowtorch um it's one of those moments where i definitely was like yes this is a comic book or like this is a graphic novel like this oh, yeah. is something that you would not necessarily dream up in any other world <laughs> like i was like yep that okay that makes sense for the show doesn't make sense but makes sense for the show (laughs) for the show so that that was wild and then um they condensed the kugel down into christopher and then they party to another one bites the dust yay you saved the world even though it's burning outside like what are you celebrating well you know they did it okay like they did it (laughs) sure so on the roof, Luther gives Sloane a list of her favorite Italian monuments that are left standing along with a ring of moon rock and asks Sloane to marry him. Now, yeah, well, by my count, they've known each other for like five days. And right. <laughs> how does he know her list of favorite Italian monuments that are still standing when it's like because... that was a topic of conversation you had over the last couple of days i think so i think there was like some mention or some conversation about how she had like a list of places she wanted to go and she was said she was never like gonna go see them or something like that and then luther was like okay well here are the ones we can go see <laughs> like don't get sad about the ones you can't see but these are the ones we can see still whatever <laughs> uh what'd you think of the proposal well, um, you know, who doesn't love a good apoc- apocalyptic proposal? Uh, but yeah, like, your classic apocalyptic proposal. Yes, oh I mean it's very true to what like Luther. I knew this was part of what Luther wanted to do. Like, it's not surprising from the Luther standpoint because he's at least this season been very clear on his intentions with uh, Sloan. But also, like, um using the moment i thought it was very soon for the hey we saved the world let's get married like that i thought was very very soon but i did enjoy how we found out that maybe they didn't save the world in the middle of the proposal i thought that was also very interesting. yes yeah so after the party with the sparrows 
uh, minus Sloan. There's mm-hmm. um, we've so we have Faye, Christopher, and Ben hanging out, and Faye and Christopher are like, "We're gonna kill the umbrellas in the morning." Whoa. Truce is over, but Ben's like, "Can't do that. I've made a deal with Reggie, and we've got a bigger plan." But he doesn't tell them what it is. So thoughts here: What is Ben in on with Reggie? It's got to be Oblivion, right? But why would Ben be in on this? Because what Reggie think, like, what probably said, "Hey." Like when you go through the thing and we go to this new world, you're gonna be number one. Like it probably yeah, has. You probably to didn't need to do any more than that because yeah. like Ben would just be like, "Okay, sure, sounds good." Yeah. Oh, and you'll 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 be around, and I'll have your approval, and I'll be in charge of people. You know what I mean? Like something like that. Interesting that he doesn't just tell Faye and Christopher, but oh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. And Faye's like, you know what? I'm done. Um, You're a terrible leader and you only think of yourself. And so Christopher (laughs) agrees and she clinks her champagne glass against Christopher. And somehow that vibration makes the kugel burst out of him, which kills both himself and Faye. Um, I did like the fact that Ben was like telling Faye, like, get down, run out of here. Like clearly he cared enough about her to not like want her to die, but she didn't. She was trying to help Christopher. Unfortunately, um, I don't know why the clinking of the glass caused a vibration and not like the music they were dancing around to earlier. It's frequency. It's probably frequency. Like the frequency of the pitch of... Well, it it probably would have happened eventually, right? Like, I don't... Yeah. I don't think Christopher, like, was going to somehow be able to, like, kill the Kugelblitz. I think they were just, like, storing it inside of him. Yeah, like, if they could get him to space and make it, like go somewhere far away but they had no way of doing that so i really didn't know what their game plan was here yeah so the house starts crumbling down and the kugel is like now massive and everyone starts to leave and that is the end of the episode proper yeah yeah a couple more things yeah the world is still ending by the end of the episode oh yeah no they did solve nothing if anything we murdered more people and now it's worth worse but um maybe sloan and luther are engaged so yay i thought the moon rock was sweet but anyway it was it was sweet because she had shown an interest in the moon Mm -hmm. so that yeah it was fine um (laughs) so there's a little bit of a lila and diego plot line in this as well um i do like at the beginning of the episode that they're wearing black um because i guess in honor of stan and uh so lila's gonna tell diego that she's pregnant in this episode thoughts on that yeah i mean uh i thought it was really well done by both actors in the scene like they they really brought their stuff to this um i think it was hard for me to believe the first time that i watched it because i was like what do you mean what do you mean you're pregnant you ate sushi again you ate sushi how could you be pregnant I don't understand. But then um, as the scene went on, it became more and more believable. I thought Diego's reaction was one of compassion and also like love for himself as much as love for Lila, as much as love for their future life. Like there was just a lot going on in there. And I think that it's totally fine for him to ask for time and think about it. But you could definitely tell that these two people care about each other and love each other even though they're having this discussion of like, hey, by the way, I did kidnap that kid and he's not yours. And also I'm pregnant. And also that kid that I took is possibly dead. And also, yes, do you want to be this, you know, father of my child? I did like the part where Lila said, you know, it's very hard for me. Like, I understand that I who 
a person who didn't have a father, you know, asking to have a father for this kid is weird, but that's what I want. I thought it was a very honest conversation. Yeah, I thought it was honest. And I, I understand Diego's like, I think he was saying, can I have some time to think about like being a family with you? Right, right. But I don't, I think Diego, based on everything shown with Stan, was probably on board for the like, having some role in his child's life. Is what it seemed like. Yes, yes. So um, she's worried that she won't be good at the mother thing based on her relationship with her mother. And it makes sense. Um, I, I did think overall it was a sweet scene. And um, I'm I'm very interested in watching the next couple episodes from the perspective of watching it again. Because mm-hmm. I think the first time through I was so just sort of overwhelmed with everything that's happened in the last couple episodes that I wasn't... Uh, I don't know, taking it in as much. So I'm I'm really curious to sort of analyze them over the next two. Yeah. Yeah, it will be interesting to see it with the, this perspective, for sure. So we also have some a conversation between Five and Victor. And the conversation's about both Victor and Allison. And I like this scene mostly because it really shows, like, five being the adult that he is compared to everyone else like just definitely treating them like children so we have uh he's talking to victor and and says like you know we're all worried about the effect that killing someone will have on allison but i'm also worried about you because you've murdered a lot of people Mm -hmm. and like trust me the math isn't going to work out there's no equation There's no formula that will, you know, save five Harlins for every two Claire's to make, like, you good again, basically. He's like, we just have a lot of power and, you know, we need to use that wisely. Um, But he warns Victor that because you're very, very powerful, the decisions you make have impact on the entire world. So you don't get to make them alone, which is also basically the entire plot of Captain America Civil War. So, yeah. (laughs) I guess five. Yeah, is the, the umbrella accords. We're talking about the umbrella accords. Yes. <laughs> the umbrella accords, exactly. Um, and then, of course, he says, "You know what they call a superhero who works alone and doesn't listen to anybody? A villain." Mm-hmm. And so, there's no more going rogue or lying to them again. I thought it was a very like I loved it. It was a very like you had mentioned very mature conversation to come from come mm-hmm. from five. I think it's one that Victor needed to hear, and I think it was one that shows like, hey. Victor, we're concerned about you, but we're concerned about you from a loving perspective, not from like an anger right. perspective. Just like we're in this together. I've got your back, but you have to tell me things for that to happen. I can't support you if I don't know what's going on type of thing, which is a very like family conversation to have. Well, and I think somebody needed to tell Victor like, yeah, it's harsh what Allison said. But she had a point with the, like, you're very powerful and that doesn't give you the license to unilaterally make decisions Yeah, that affect more than just yourself, Um, which could be said for any one of them. So (laughs) maybe something that Ben should learn. Company policy, maybe something like that. Yes. Uh, So there's also a really small moment at the beginning of the episode where Five wants to go into the portal Mm -hmm. to the other side of the hotel and Diego and Lila convince him not to so far, but it definitely has his his mind churning a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, he's got this uh, this tattoo. He's got the story from from Pogo. He is concerned about closing loops. I think he just wants to go and see see what it's got in store. Yeah. So at the beginning of the episode, when Lila's in Germany, that's when we see when she's hanging out at the like communal band apartment or whatever, that um, there's a bong that has smoke curling into an umbrella in a sparrow shape. So caught the emblems this episode. Mm -hmm. Really appreciative of the fact that they're doing it in every episode. I feel like in the first two seasons, it wasn't every episode. So now I'm wondering if maybe I just missed some of them. I'll need to go back and check that. Um, I already mentioned my favorite song moment. Did you have another one? No, I I enjoyed the cats in the cradle. Yeah, that was good. That was a good one too. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other particular reflections from season or episode seven in relation to the whole season? No, I mean I really enjoyed retalking this one out because um, the whole like Alice and Victor thing I think can be seen in a little bit of a different light. I'm still not hot on the whole thing. Still oh, yeah. not yes, like not it. On it, but there's definitely a little bit more nuance to it uh, on a rewatch for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's something where we always like to analyze interesting things and cool things, but I think it's also important to analyze the evil things that people do and the reasons behind them. Most of my other podcasting has been about crime. So I'm all about digging in and finding out why people are doing those things. Makes sense. Um, Well, we have some really exciting guests coming up. I hope everyone enjoyed our conversation with Brian Scally last week, and um, we're we're gonna have some more coming up here. So get watch, ready for yeah. those. Watch the twitters. Um, I do also want to let everyone know that Posha Recaps did just launch a merch store. By the time oh. you're listening to this, so if you go to posharecaps.com/store, you can outfit yourself with one of many t-shirts or mugs. Um, and that is a space that will be growing. So I encourage you to go check that out. If you'd like to support Posher Recaps, you can do so by buying merch from there or by becoming a patron by uh, going to, uh, pa- if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash Recaps. You can get uh, into the discord and talk to us there as well. Um, super fun community. Love it. Uh, and now I can love it and let people know that I love it so much because I can get a t-shirt and talk about it. So um Congratulations to everyone over there uh, for putting that together. Some I'm looking at it now. Some great t-shirts, some great mug designs. Definitely check it out. Yeah, good stuff. Good All right, stuff. everyone. Thanks for joining us again this week. And make sure that you check out everything else that we're both doing. Uh, Marissa, are you doing anything else at the moment you want to plug? No, you just follow me on Twitter at MarsBars, M-A-R-Z-B-R-S. Yes, and definitely reach out to both of us, uh, Marissa there and myself at Frail Mary, for any feedback you have on the series, the show as a whole, even stuff from season one and two. We'll be happy to talk about that in our feedback episode. Yeah. Um, you can also check out everything that I have going on at KowskiCast. Uh, season six of Riverdale is finally starting to come to a close, so definitely join us for that riveting content, myself and Kirsten McKinnis. All right, until next time.